Good morning, everybody. So sorry to break up the visiting, but we'll get started here. Uh, it's 1030. I'm going to right away invite Celeste to come and address uh, the congregation in regards to the ladies' meeting. Uh, I'll let her. Good morning. Sorry. I'm, I'm Toby and myself this morning. Toby is sick. Please pray for him. He just needs to get better now. I can't do all of this. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, women's Bible study, 10.30 Wednesday mornings. And um, we're doing the book of Daniel. We've got David Jeremiah's uh, textbook, um, which you really don't need because we talk about all of it during the study. Um, we're doing chapter 8 of the book of Daniel this week. And it's been very interesting. Um, there's some interesting discussions coming forth from that. So, um, and the first announcement, Mike, I will also make, prayer meeting on Wednesdays at 3.30. We, we ask whoever has um, time free on Wednesday afternoon to join, join us for prayer. We pray for one another. We're praying for Panama. We're praying for the state of our world right now. And if you do the prophecy books like we are doing right now, you can see where we're at. We're literally at the brink. So um, I wrote here, only prayer and obedience to our Lord can bring any lasting change in our world. Prayer moves God. Obedience moves us, should move us. So we really want to invite you to come and join us. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Celeste. Uh, before I forget, we have uh, Rich Kalachi with us today, special treat. Thank you, Rich, for helping us out. Toby's, it, with Toby being ill, uh, Rich stepped up and said, I'll come help you. So thank you so much, sir. He's an awesome piano player. Uh, he's, I'll toot his horn just a little bit if it's okay. I know he's at least won two Emmys for his work in music. He's a real live working musician. He's got a music company, so he's, he's still a working picker. So I'm just re a retired old man. So thank you so much, Rich. Did you mention our missionaries? Yeah. Uh, the rest is yours. Okay. Uh, they, they gospel to the, the Nobi people, and I think that, that service starts every Friday around 6 or 630 Uh any food you could uh, offer them as far as rice, lentils, beans, they would be very appreciative of that. Fresh fruit, veggies, always welcome. Uh, these folks, they uh, have a very meager li li uh, living as it is, but they give out of their own pockets to help these people. So, I, you know, let's help them if we can. Please remember the Uganda Orphanage uh, in our Remember that in our prayers. Life in Africa is becoming more dangerous for Christians. Uh, they're murdered every day for their faith. On, uh, we don't see that on CNN, but it's happening all over the world. Our services start now at 1030. Don't forget that. Uh, uh, then there are prayer request cards. I've, I've put a few uh, new ones back there, but we've got some prayer request cards back there. If you've got a prayer request, jot it down. Drop it in that suggestion box. Also got some welcome cards. If you're new with us today, you're our special guest. We appreciate you coming our way. Please jot down some way to contact you. Uh, and, or if you would like somebody from the church to contact you, let, you know, let us know. Uh, I think that's about it for the announcements. Uh, you remember the days of church bulletins? You don't see it so much anymore with Internet and emails and Facebook, but... Uh, I remember those days, and there was always typo errors in those things. Uh, so I'm going to share a few with you here. One uh, church bulletin, it said, Tonight's sermon, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> Another one said, The ladies of the church have cast off clothing of every kind, and they may be seen in the church basement. <laughs> Another one, for those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. 
this is the last one. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale this Sunday, or this Saturday, sorry. It's the chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. <laughs> I enjoy listening to a, a man named Alistair Begg. He's, he's got a truth, uh, truth for Life, if you want to look that up on the Internet. He's awesome. Uh, what caught my attention first was his accent. He's from Scotland, so I, I love that Scottish accent. But uh, he commented recently that the one who gave himself on the cross will not seem worthy of our worship if we do not recognize that it was our sin that made it necessary and that it was his love that made it happen. If you will, go with me to the Lord in prayer and we'll get the service started. Please bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege we have to gather together to praise you and worship you. We pray that this service would bring glory and honor to your name, and we ask that you will fill this place with your presence and that your word would speak to our hearts and transform our lives today. We ask a special blessing for those who are hurting and in need, and thank you for continuously sharing us with your blessings, grace, and mercy. Lord, we especially pray for the nation of Israel. Please bless John as he brings the message today. Amen. Yes, Lord. He paid the highest price. He gave a holy God, godly life, God himself, so that we can live. We owe him our lives. Romans 12, first couple of verses says that we should be a living sacrifice, our bodies a living sacrifice unto God. We should love him, love him with all our hearts, minds, strength, spirit, soul, body, everything. And I just, I know that Jesus says in the word, he doesn't want anybody to be lost. No one. He's extending his grace and his forgiveness, his mercy to each and everyone. So if you don't know him, and you don't know that he's your Lord and your Savior, Please, don't waste time. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be reading from Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 through 15. I'm not sure what page number that's on. So. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of the months. Or beginning of months, sorry. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on uh, the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the, all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. 
the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Now, if you want to read along, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 through 32. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And finally, Revelation chapter 19, verse 6 through 9. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty pearls of th peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Good morning. Good morning. You guys made it at 10.30. We changed the time and you guys made it. <laughs> we'll give you an extra loaf. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us for commemorating the Lord's Supper. Those visitors that are here for the first time, we might seem a little bit strange the first time, but as you keep coming, you'll get used to us. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is for us to enter your presence with thanksgiving, to enter your courts with praise, to say that this is the day the Lord has made. We shall be glad and rejoice in it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives because of the great exchange that happened on the cross of Calvary. We thank you for the marvelous love of God who would stoop down and save a sinner and sinners who were unable to save themselves through any good works, through any effort of themselves. We were all lost in sin. As the Bible said, those who sin shall die. And as Jesus said, when he spoke about the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, there's a chasm between us and you that are suffering in hell. And no one can come across. 
Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb that was spilt so that we today can commemorate that great salvation. Father, I pray for open ears and open hearts and not to heed to any condemnation from the evil one, but to distinguish the voice of the Holy Spirit who has come to convict, who has come to direct us, to remind us of everything that the Lord Jesus has said. Thank you. Amen. There's a verse in Hebrews 13, 8 that says, Jesus Christ is the same. If you notice the Bible reading, we started off with Passover. And we read, we skipped. No, Paul mentioned that. The Lord's Supper. And what is awaiting us in the future? Marriage Supper of the Lamb. It's the same God. His plan has not changed. In Egypt, 70 members of the family of Abraham went into Egypt, free men, free women, and enslaved in Egypt for a total of 430 years. Now, not all of that was slavery, but a great section of that. And then God called a man, Moses. God calls men, God calls women. He called Moses. And he gave him instruction with Aaron. On the tenth month, on the tenth day of the first month, which is, is complicated, but the Hebrew calendar had, uh, they call it a Hebrew calendar and a civic calendar. The, anyway, the first day of, that, of the first month, that month is called Abib. It's spelled Abib, but it's called Aviv. That is when the barley harvest, it means ripening. So that was when the barley harvest ripened. But on the tenth day of that month, they were called to pick a lamb. It could be a kid, it could be a lamb. One year old, male. They had to keep that lamb in the house for inspection. Because it had to be perfect, physically perfect, unblemished, spotless. And then on the 14th day, they had to kill it. And they had to take the blood and put it on the post and the lintel of the door. And God said, it's for them to be assigned. That's so interesting, he says, but if I see the blood, the destroyer will pass over you. Because I will come and I will judge the gods of Egypt and they will, I will kill every firstborn that was the firstborn male. From, from the king to the slave to every animal that was firstborn and male. Why? Why? Because Pharaoh said to the midwives, when you see a male child born of the, of, of the Jewish people, drown them in the Nile. And God said, they are my chosen people. So they were chosen. And now they had to choose a lamb and inspect the lamb and kill the lamb and use the blood. It's very important that you see the lamb, it was not to have a phlebotomy. It was not a bloodletting. It had to die. And then it had to be roasted. Why roasted? Fire is a sign of judgment. Also purification, but I think in this sense it was judgment on the lamb. On the, on the lamb. It has to be roasted. What happened to the bones? Were they broken? No. Any leftovers? They had to eat the flesh. No leftovers. What was to happen to the leftovers? Burnt. What is the 
What is, this, what is the atom that the body is made of? Carbon. If you burn anything to ashes, it cannot be broken down more. It could not have any further corruption. So I want you to pick, uh, see the picture. I want you to, to, to remind you of, although they were the called out ones, although they were Israelites, God made a provision. What about the slave that you've bought with money? Can he be part? Can she be part of this? What about the foreigner? It, in one verse, the Bible says, no foreigners are allowed to eat of this Passover lamb. And then a few verses later, God almost like, he, he caught himself and he said, okay, wait, wait. A foreigner that is prepared to join you on your journey can eat of the Passover lamb as long as he is circumcised. Circumcised is a sign of the covenant of God that you submit to. Saying, I will do all the Lord has commanded me to do. That's what the circumcision means. Listen to Paul in Colossians 2.11. In him also, that's in Jesus, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Nothing that God has ordered the Israelites should be lost to us. That's why it's essential that you and I will read the Old Testament. You cannot understand the New Testament if you don't really see what the Old Testament says because it is the master plan of God. They were circumcised. Circumcision for us is not physical, it is spiritual. It's the cutting off of the flesh that we've been talking about in the last few weeks about James. That James is saying to us to get rid of the sin of the flesh, to get rid of the old nature. Here we see it portrayed in this festival, the Passover. So remember the Passover was the first day, it was one day of festival. A festival is actually called a sacrifice unto the Lord. Remember the lamb was not sacrificed to the people. The lamb was sacrificed unto God. Because the offended party in this was the mighty God. He was offended by what Pharaoh did. The same way as you and I offend God when we are born in sin. Because we are a race. We grew up, we don't know that unless we hear the gospel, we will continue in our life of sin, trying to cover it up, exactly like Adam and Eve did in, in paradise. When, when their conscience was struck by their guilt, they covered themselves up with fig leaves. Because they saw they were naked. It is when the Holy Spirit would come to us and we realize we, we are sinners in the sight of God. And He is an angry God. He is an offended God because of sin. Because He's holy. He says the, sin, the soul that sins must die. That's the punishment for sin. Why is that like that? Because God is sovereign. He do, we do not live in a democracy under God. We don't have voting rights. He has made us. The Bible says, what do you have that you haven't received? He is sovereign. That means God does what He wants, when He wants, how He wants, without asking your opinion. It's shocking to hear that. So God deems me a sinner. And the only way for me, the, 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 the fig leaves of good works, cannot count. Because He says it's like a soiled cloth, like an old cloth on a wound, a septic wound. That's what my best works look to him. Because whatever is not of God is an offense to him. Now fast forward almost 1,500 years. Remember the first thing that the, the Israelites had to do was to select the lamb. What did John the Baptist say when he saw the, Jesus coming to him? There is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's identifying the Lamb of God to Israel. Because the Father said to him, you go baptize people. 
and on him who see you, Spirit of God, come down and do not leave him again. That is my son. And at the same time, he said that there's a voice from heaven. This is my son. I'm, in him, I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And then, on the 10th day of Nisan, 1,500 years later, on Palm Sunday, who comes riding into Jerusalem? Jesus on a donkey. The Lamb of God. To be inspected by the Sanhedrin. Those self-righteous people who appointed themselves in the seat where only God belongs. Self-righteousness is a terrible sin. A sin. It makes us blind for our own sin. It shows us just other people's sin. And I said before, if you wake up in the morning and you're preoccupied with what other people are doing, you're in deep trouble. You should be troubled about your own sin. That's why Jesus went toe-to-toe -to -toe to with them. And say they like white sepulchers. People walk over death and they don't even know it. So when he appeared before the Sanhedrin, he was found guilty for speaking the truth. Are you the son of God? Yes, I am. In so many words. You said it. And they tore their clothes. Why? Because in their self-righteousness, they couldn't see it or they wouldn't see it. And then he was sent to the Gentiles, to King Herod. Did he answer him? Not a word. And what about Pilate? I find in him no guilt. Here was the Lamb of God, spotless, blameless. And he was killed. Was he killed? I hear so many people say, oh, we have the Jews, they are the Jesus killer. I, he says, I lay down my life. No one takes my life from me. This authority I've received from my Father. I lay it down and I take it up again. But you see the similarity with the Passover lamb 1,500 years before. He wasn't killed. He laid down his life. Did they break his bones? No. Because unlike, you must remember, crucifixion is suffocation. It can take days. So they, they, they break their lower legs. So if you, if you hang by your arms and you can't support yourself because you have to support yourself to breathe out when you're crucified. But if they, if they chop your legs, if they, then you can't support yourself. And then you drown. Either drown in an own fluid in the lungs or you just suffocate to speed up the death. Did he see corruption? No, he was raised on the third day. So you see the Passover lamb is pointing towards the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sin and my sin if we only believe. What is belief? It's trust. It's like when you sit down in that chair, you trust that that chair is holding your weight. On the night that he was betrayed, he took the, the bread and he, and he said, this is my way, he broke it. It's the, the, the body of Jesus broken. It had to be broken so he could spill his life, his blood. God says he has given the blood of the animal to make atonement for you, for you on the altar. Showing forward to what will happen if the pure Lamb of God would die. And his blood would eventually come on the altar. What happened to the big, heavy curtain? That curtain is very thick. They have to use oxen to pull it up in its tracks on the right place to divide the holy of holies with the holy. Massive curtain was tore from, where, from, from bottom to top? No, from top to bottom. Showing God says, I fully accept the atoning sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Now there's access for the first time in history of the Israeli history between the people and the Holy of Holies where God dwells. You and I, through the living sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, have free access to God 24-7. I just ask you, how much do you value that in your life? If you realize that we are headed for the marriage supper of the Lamb, it is the same God that's prom promised the, the sacrificial lamb, his son, uh, 1,500 years before Jesus appeared. 
And now we stand 2,000 years after it, and the same God who made that promise is the same God that says, there is a marriage supper of the Lamb you are headed for. And it will happen as sure as you are sitting in that seat and I'm standing here. Because God has said it. And if God has said it, He brings it to truth, to reality. No one can deter God. No one can upset His Word, no matter what they say of the Bible, no matter what those PhD people say about the Bible. You cannot undo the Word of God. Because He says, I'm watching over my Word to perform it. And Jesus said, everything will pass away, but what? But His Word. No. Right. just want to read you something. Pass, Passover has been followed by the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What does leaven mean? What does it stand for? What is it a symbol of? Sin. God said to them, sometimes they, the Bible blends the Passover with the, unleavened, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Talk of it as one, because Passover is one day, and the very next day is a, is a, is a Sabbath, holy unto the Lord, and that's the first day of Unleavened Bread. God says, go and search your house and make sure there is no leaven. Because if I find leaven in your house, you will be cut off from Israel. Listen to 1 Corinthians 5, 7 to 9. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has being sacrificed, let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Do you see the beautiful symbolism? You and I must search our house, and we have this morning the opportunity to search our house for old leaven, or for leaven. Those things that the Holy Spirit is putting His finger on you for years. And me. And we think... It's just human. Because we have no, we think that holiness is unattainable on earth. Which is a lie of the enemy. God says, be holy for I am holy. And if God says, be holy, He has supplied us over and abundantly the grace to be holy. And that's what He's waiting for. The Heavenly Father is fully aware of our warfare against the sinful and old nature that is going to last until the day we die. Because we are finite human beings who sin every day, God knows every sin we commit by what we think, say and do, or not think, or not say, or not do. And even when it's added, all added up, it is still a finite number. The sin that you commit, and I commit, since the day we were saved, until the day we die, even if it's, even if it's calculated, there will, be a, a, there will be a number. But because we are finite, our sin is finite. But because God is infinite, His grace is infinite. That's why the Bible says, when your sin abounds, Sin, ab or sin abounds, your grace abounds even more. But it's not a license. We might be permissive parents. I know many moms that say, if you do it again, you see ears there hanging on the wall. I can heat, heat, warm up your seat of learning so your ears open. That works very well, Liam. I think you know. Yeah. God is a similar father. Why? He wants us to be mature. How would you like your son and daughter to, come, to live in, in diapers? And I, I must say to you, there are many of us living in diapers. Look what he's done. Listen to what she said about me. And there we go. We keep score. James said to us, we shouldn't judge one another. And I tell you, I was first in line to hear that. Because it's so easy. Oh, he did this just because to brag. His money. We have a... So, the Holy Spirit this morning, I'm going to read to you here again, Corinthians. 
This is the time for us to examine. We are in a family meeting. And I know of Christians that do not partake of the Lord's Supper because they are perfectionistic. They expect their flesh to have no sin. And they only take communion when they think they have perfectly obeyed for that time. That's not what it's about. As I said to you before, God knows we've got a sinful nature. But what God doesn't want, He doesn't want us to, re to be reminded by the Holy Spirit in the word of a certain sin, and I do nothing about it. James 4, verse 6, uh, 8, 6 to 10, that is the washing machine. That is the gospel. Paul says we have been saved by the gospel, but we are still being saved by the gospel. The gospel was not good news only when you were a sinner. The gospel is still good news today when you are or you are a, a saved person. It is the same gospel that washes us. Listen to, listen to James as we... The scripture says God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Can you repeat with me? I'm going to say... God opposes me when I'm proud. And God gives me grace when I humble myself. Shall we try that? One, two, three. God gives... God opposes me when I'm proud. Okay, let's do it again. God opposes me when I'm proud. Now, but He gives grace to me when I humble myself before Him. But He gives grace to me when I humble myself before Him. That is how you have to preach the gospel to yourself. The Bible says, preach the gospel to yourself. In Romans, Peter, uh, Paul says to the Romans, they say, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who also in Rome. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is um, revealed for Jew and Gentile. It's unashamed of that gospel. They actually said that in the 17th verse. So when you and I wake up in the morning, we must say to ourselves, there is ample grace at God's throne for the sin that I struggle with. But I have to be humble enough to humble myself before God. Listen to what he says. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Submission is, a, is like you join the army. You fall on your knees and you say to him willingly, I give my life, my, the control of my life, I surrender that to you. You are vacating the throne of your heart. We often say, I have received the Lord Jesus as my Savior. But we cannot receive the Savior unless you receive the Lord as well. And He is Lord of all. And he wasn't, he's, not, he's not taking second place. So submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands and, your, and your, um, purify your hearts. You sinners, you double-minded, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will extol you. This is opportunity for us today to deal with those sins, those, the bitterness and the resentment. I don't want to call it even. Ask the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we bury it so deep we forget about it. The Holy Spirit does not. That's why it's so easy to grieve Him. You can just ignore him once and by the second time his voice is slower and then he will just stop asking you or commanding you. And, and what I want to say here is let's, let's read this. 1 Corinthians 11:27. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink the, of, the, of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. He's talking to people who are saved, who will not lose their salvation, but he's talking about judgment. God disciplines. God disciplines us. There's a verse in the Bible that says, uh, at the, for the moment, the, the, the discipline of the Lord seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, you will reap the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Only if you are trained by it. So, when he speaks about judgment, he is not talking about you losing your salvation. Think what happened to the Israelites through their trek in the wilderness. The Bible says that he calls them 
what they have done. Let me see. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. What is the rebellion? The rebellion is disobedience. What happened to the Israelites because they disobeyed God? He said, go into the promised land. And they say, no, I'm scared. They disobeyed. He called it rebellion. What happened? Their bodies fell in the desert. When God disciplines Christians, let's read. Otherwise, I want to get correctly. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. Do you see? The judgment of God is disciplined. God can discipline by disease. That's Health, wealth, and prosperity will not accept that. But it's the Word. I discipline... I discipline my son with pain. That's how we learn. So, he's not talking about judgment as losing your salvation. He is talking about you if, you. if you keep on doing what you're doing and you ignore him, he will stop you. Why? He's not a permissive parent. He, he loves you. He wants to restore you. He, his whole idea is for you to share the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will stop at nothing. And I can tell you, there are people here that can agree with me and say there are things in their lives that have happened that was very painful and they took a vow, I will never disobey again. So all I'm saying to you today, do not play with the grace of God. He says we should not trample His grace underfoot. And it happens easily. It happens in a split second because, you know, we get deceived by the evil one that says, no, God doesn't really say exactly what he did with Eve in the, in, in the garden. Did God really say? But if we judge ourselves, like James invites us, come to the washing machine, the front loader of God. Come on your knees and say, Lord, I'm a helpless sinner. I'm struggling with this sin in my life for so long. Help me to want to give it up. Pray the coward's prayer. It works. Lord, make me willing to become willing to lay it down. I don't have to defend myself every time somebody comes against me. I don't have to wallow in self-pity when I get, no, you, you had a bad idea. I can always go lower. There are some of us that have certain requirements of how people should treat you. And if they treat you not the way you want, you discard them. Or you treat them like an alien. How would you like to say before the Lord Jesus, I didn't like the way they treated me. That's why I disobeyed you. Look where he came from. And he died naked on the cross for you and me. And we are too proud. We are too proud to say, I'm sorry. How many people in your lives do you have to say, I'm sorry for? Write a letter. But we suppress it. Why? We don't know that God is a holy God. We don't cherish the Spirit of God in us. We don't cherish the fellowship. And this morning he's calling us. He says, no, my children. I'm longing for that intimacy with you. How would you go to heaven and, and you still have this thing between you and God that you've never put right? You will feel like a stranger there. I'm not sure about you, but if, I, if I'm angry at my wife, I, I told her often, or I snapped at her, I snarled like her, like a junkyard dog. And... and <laughs> two days later or, or, or that evening I, I, I just go to bed as nothing has happened and this whole thing is in between us like a big monster but I ignore it I met a, uh, I, I spoke to one of the nurses at hospital one day and she said in her life her husband not, didn't apologize to her once no, they, they weren't Christians but how do you live with this monster? How many of us live with that thing between you and God? And you think it's okay. You think that God has forgotten. He does not have Alzheimer's. He's waiting for you to return. To make it right. Because you and I want to go into heaven in the marriage supper of the Lamb. We want to, as a church, be the bride. And we want to ask Him, is it okay between you and me? What is there between us that's grieving you? That is blocking your grace upon my life. Your smile upon my life. 
And that's what, that's what this verse is about. If we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. We do it to ourselves. I said to you last Sunday, do not ask the Lord to humble yourself or to humble your, you. Please humble yourself. And that's what the Bible teaches. Humble yourself before God. And I tell you, you don't, I don't talk about introspection. If you and I do introspection, we come up with, we are disillusioned. And then, if you are disillusioned, just put your hands in the air and say, thank God I've got a Savior. That's what the devil does. He wants you to navel gaze and just find, and start nitpicking. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit that puts His finger again and again on your life. And you, right now, you know of things that you should put right. Why do you wait? Don't you, you can go lower. I trust you, you can go lower. So, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. There is a, there is a marriage supper waiting. You want to hear the Lord say to you, my good and faithful servant, well done. That's what we want to hear. We can fail in this life. We can lose fortunes in this life. But we cannot afford to lose it in the life here. And all it costs is your flesh. That's all. It's obedience. You cannot say, I love God, because you get goosebumps in the church or you cry when you hear a nice song. That's not love. Love is when you take your flesh by the throat and you squeeze all the life out of you can. You don't, you don't tell them person off. You don't speak your mind. You, you, whatever you have to do. And God gives you the grace to overcome the next time it's easier, and next time it's easier, and next time it's easier. Then it becomes a habit and a lifestyle. So God is calling us today because He has prepared you and I to be spotless, and blameless before Him. To Him who is able to keep you from falling, from stumbling, and to present you before His, uh, His presence, blameless, with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority for now and forever. He is able. You are not able. You must be willing. That is the power of the Spirit. That is the power of resurrection. That we can live that life. And if we fall, we don't take a week to say, I'm sorry. You don't want to eat burnt food for a week before you apologize to your wife. You go quickly and say, I'm sorry, dear. And the same way, you go quick to the Father because He's waiting for you. Remember the prodigal son. Whenever you feel accused by the enemy, just think of what the prodigal son's father did. You are full of sin. Stink like, a, stink like a pig star. And he says, I don't care. Welcome back. You are greatly loved, people. Greatly loved. And you didn't earn it. It's grace. That's what makes God so great. Is that he can save a bunch of losers like we. Why? Because you've got nice blue eyes. No. It's because God is so great. You know what says uh, Isaiah 30 verse 18? The Lord exalts himself to show mercy to you. From of old no one has heard or perceived by ear or seen with the eye a God like you who works on behalf of those who love him. God works on behalf of you. Is that amazing? Amen. So please, it's really good news you've heard today. And thank you that you allow me to offend you with the truth. God says we should not partake with this in a cavalier way, but also not in a, in a perfectionist way and say, no, because I'm a sinner, I cannot. No. This table, Jesus says, I want you to remember. It's not an intellectual remember. I want you to remember what has happened on the cross, what I did for you when you take the bread and you take the wine. It is a new covenant in my blood. I am covenanted with you. And is there anybody in the world that can break the covenant of God? Tell me. I'd like to meet him. No one can. No one will pluck you out of my hands because you and I are represented in his glorified body forever. This is the, 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 the church. This is what I paid for. Here that is. Here they, uh, the emblems are.
So we have to remember Him. Remember what He's done for you on the cross. Remember the gospel. And then what we do is we also proclaim, says Paul, we proclaim His death. You say we did not proclaim His resurrection. Why? We're proclaiming His death because it's through His death that He spilled His blood and it's because His blood that is the atoning sacrifice. The big word is propitiation. Propitiation means God has been appeased. He's been repaid. Because when you and I sin, we owe Him a debt we cannot pay. He's offended, but He's repaid. That's why we remember the blood. We proclaim His death until He comes. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not, not in us. It actually says we deceive ourselves. We all know we are saved sinners. He says, but if we confess our sin, He's righteous and true to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are red like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. We've got a great Savior, and He calls you my beloved. In Zephaniah 3.17, the Bible says about those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the Israelites and he's looking forward to the day when the whole Israelites will come to him. He says, I am the Lord in their midst. I will rejoice over them with gladness. I will quiet them with my love. And then this verse, I will, ex I will exult over them with loud singing. If you have the Lord Jesus in your life, if you have accepted Him, God is exalting over you with loud singing. Why? Your sin is gone. If it's confessed, it is gone. May the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all this week. Amen.